I'd like to begin this week with some special hellos to listeners in San Antonio, Texas, Pasadena, California, Birmingham, Alabama, right here in Daleville, Alabama, Egg Harbor, New Jersey, and special friends in Cairo, Egypt, and Treviso, Italy. Additionally, I would like to say a special hello to First Sergeant Retired Howard Pierre Denham in Prince George, Virginia. Thank you much, sir, for your service to the country and for raising such a fabulous leader. Welcome to another Cohort W podcast episode, bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real-life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large-scale combat operations and multi-domain operations. And now, here's your host. Hello. In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shared some personal and professional experiences as a veterinary corps warrant officer. Then we'll examine how those experiences contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements for the veterinary corps. All Cohort W guests were recommended by senior warrant officers in their branch. And today, I am joined by Veterinarian Corps Warrant Officer CW3, Adrian Denham. Thanks for your time today, Adrian. Can you share with the audience about yourself, please? Yes, sir. So my name is uh, Chief Warrant Officer 3, Adrian Denham. Uh, my family is from Chicago, although I'm a military brat. I'm, I'm from all over. I joined the Army Reserves as a 68 Romeo Veterinary Food Inspection Specialist in 1999 out of Richmond, Virginia. Then I came active duty in May 2003 and became a warrant officer in 2012. I have an 11-year-old daughter who keeps me super busy with her shenanigans, and I have three older bonus kids. In my spare time, I love to dance, do arts and crafts, and then I teach financial literacy and music on the side. You are the second 640 Alpha I have met in my 34-year career. Can you tell me a little bit about your MOS, your MOS title, and your duty position, please? Yes. So my MOS is 640 Alpha Veterinary Food Safety Technician or Veterinary Food Safety Officer. I'm currently serving as a quality assurance officer for DLA in the Indo-Pacific Theater. So I cover subsistence quality assurance from Alaska to Japan and everything in between. The Veterinary Corps has about 72 warrant officer uh, authorizations. We usually have a good six or so in school at the long-term health education program at any given time. So the rest of us are stationed as food safety officers at Army Public Health. We're at regional health commands, or we serve as staff officers at medical brigades and agencies such as DLA or the Defense Commissary Agency, and then also NADIC and research and development. There's only two warrant officer medical. Right. There's, there's you and the uh, medical the 670s. Man. Yes. Yeah, sir. the 670s. Yes. Okay, great. Can you talk to me about what your daily work is like in garrison and field and training and deployment situations, please? Absolutely. So the Veterinary Corps food protection programs, we have two main priorities. The first one is to protect the health and welfare of our service members, retirees, and our families. And the second one is to protect the financial interests of the government. So our day-to-day work, whether it be in garrison or deployment, is in keeping with those two priorities. As a food safety officer, we serve as managers of various food protection programs, and that includes food safety and defense and also quality assurance. We're ensuring that the food that's sold, served, prepared, distributed everywhere on a military installation all comes from what we call approved sources. So I'm sure you're familiar with agencies such as the FDA, the USDA, and the CDC. 
our 640 alphas and our veterinarians are, they're out auditing facilities all over the world in similar fashion to those agencies to ensure that we have approved sources available for our warfighters. And I'm proud to say that the Army is the only branch of service that performs that mission on a global scale. As a quality assurance officer, I oversee the quality assurance program by advising my commander on the quality and the wholesomeness of the subsistence that we're procuring and storing and distributing across the Indo-Pacific. And that's food that's headed to all the troop feeding facilities in those warehouses in the theater. I work closely with the contracting officers, so I'm verifying that all of our contractual documents actually have the quality assurance provisions that they need. I provide technical recommendations to those contracting officers, but also to the customers on their acceptance or rejection of non-conforming subsistence. Uh, some of my daily duties include routine visits to the vendors to ensure that their processing and distribution facilities are maintaining the sanitation standards that they're supposed to maintain. But on the other side of that, I spend a lot of time educating customers because I want them to understand what's written in their contracts. And I want them to understand what their responsibilities are as opposed to the vendor's responsibilities. I want to make sure that we're holding our vendors accountable to the contracts that we're paying them for. We pay them a lot of money to do a certain job and we expect to get a certain quality of product. So I spend a lot of time training. And then when I'm not conducting vendor and customer visits, I spend time analyzing the data that I get from other 640 alphas from my counterparts at the regional health commands. So their soldiers are sending reports up to the agencies. And so since I'm at the agencies, I take those reports and I provide advice on how the findings in those reports can affect the warfighter on, on the, uh, as the end user or affect government funds. You had said that 640 alphas provide the support on a worldwide scale. Can you clarify if the other branches who have similar people in roles like yours don't do that on a worldwide basis? And then that the work that you do somehow takes care of other branches when they're overseas? How does that overlap work, if at all? Yes, sir. So the Veterinary Corps serves as the executive agent for food protection, as well as other things. The other branches of service, they have preventive medicine, and those preventive medicine troops are inspecting the food as it's being prepared. They're inspecting the food when it's in a hot holding situation. But as far as that subsistence being an approved source, we are the only branch that is actually going out to audit those facilities and approve them for sale for the DLD. So your work is beyond just the scope of the Army. Thank you. Yes, sir. Can you uh, talk to me about how that practical work fits into the doctrinal requirements of the warfighting functions, please? That's a, a really great question, and it took me a while to kind of narrow this down, but it's obvious that the 640 Alpha falls into sustainment warfighting function. Um, that's very obvious, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but I just participated in an exercise here in the Pacific, and that exercise made me realize what's not so obvious is that the 640 Alpha actually fits into the command and control warfighting function. So part of this function is the command and control system. And that system includes people, processes, and networks. So some of our assignments are staff positions that are embedded with medical brigades. And like I said before, at those agencies like DECA and DLA. From a strategic perspective, the information that we're providing commanders enables them to make better informed decisions on how they're going to apply their combat power. That information may simply be where we currently have existing food sources. And if we don't currently have existing food sources, 
What are the time constraints and conditions to get the subsistence to where the warfighter will be? What networks do we need to have in place ahead of time to support the warfighter with subsistence? Though we may not be logisticians, we're not transportation, 640 Alphas are the ones approving the food sources. So we we absolutely serve in the information management process of the command and control warfighting function. I remember when we were talking before the interview, you had mentioned there was some work that you had done retooling doctrine to embed more closely with the sustainment warfighting function. Do I remember correctly? Yes, sir. So I was stationed at the schoolhouse. I was stationed in Tradoc. We have just gone through redesign of the capabilities of the 640 Alpha. What type of training do we need at every single level? But what do we do differently in deployment that we don't do in in garrison? Our mission is pretty much the same. What's different is the way we think about how food moves through theater. With the sustainment warfighting functions, there are four elements to that function. We know that wherever troops are going to be, they're going to need subsistence. Warfighters, they show up to fight and they know that food is going to be there. They don't necessarily think about the process and uh, that it went through to ensure its safety in getting there. We have 640 Alphas managing food programs that either approve new vendors or keep existing vendors approved or remove vendors from the worldwide directory who no longer meet our sanitation and food defense guidelines. And then we have 640 Alphas conducting food and water risk assessments in those areas where we don't have vendors contracted to support the warfighter in more austere locations. So some of what I did in TRADOC was continue to develop the food and water risk assessment program but also to start establishing what we call global health engagements. Say, for instance, uh, we're going to be in a certain country. Maybe we don't have the system set up in place where we have approved sources. We can't get in to do food water risk assessments because it's maybe at a very short time. But through global health engagements, maybe we can engage that military or that host nation and train them on what we do so that when we have warfighters go to that area, we know we've trained them. They know the same information that we know. And so although we may not have approved sources, we feel safer the risk assessment may be a little lower because we've gone out there and done global health engagements with that particular country. So that's a little bit of what I did to kind of develop that part of the sustainment package. How does that work that you and the other 640s do fit into large-scale combat operations? Logistically, food is just not an easy class of supply to move. There's so many factors that go into logistics. Uh, And when we talk about large-scale combat operations, where is the warfighter going to be? When the Corps and the division commanders are shaping their AO, we have to understand what that looks like so that as a 640 Alpha, we approve facilities, but we also remove them. And sometimes removing a facility can be more detrimental to the large-scale operation Sometimes we remove things because we haven't used them in years, but there are facilities listed for contingency operations only. We may not use that source in five years or so. And then we have a 640 Alpha saying, hey, we need to remove them off the list. And someone needs to sit back and say, well, what is happening on the larger scale? Should we have that vendor in place just in case as a contingency? Large-scale combat operations really boils down to our ability to sustain the the force from strategic locations around the world. So where our prime vendors are located, where we decide to stand up new sources, where we strategically approve bottled water facilities and fresh produce facilities, et cetera, it really depends on where the Corps and Division commanders plan their battles and structure their aid. 
our vendor contracts actually have built-in contingency plans for maintaining the flow of subsistence to the battlefield in the midst of combat. And so that may be by air, it may be by land, it may be by maritime. So 640 Alphas are positioned strategically around the world to ensure that those sources and those warehouses and distribution centers maintain their sanitation conditions. There are vendors we have in strategic locations that we audit annually, like I said, only for strategic purposes. I was just imagining previous discussions I've had with uh, some of the warrants and the other branches and how your work and their work nests and meshes very well with transportation, intel. I, I could only imagine some of the discussion that we could all have around a roundtable if we were all talking together about supporting you and your work. Uh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Can you talk to me about how your work would fit conceptually into multi-domain operations? And this is still emerging doctrine. So what's the view of the 640 Alpha about multi-domain operations? Because the Veterinary Corps performs food protection for all of DOD, 640 Alphas, we we find ourselves um, nested in joint environments in almost every assignment. Here in the Indo-Pacific, we simulate what that support looks like when all the services operate together across multiple domains in contested spaces. When our commercial carriers aren't able to get subsistence from one location to another, we depend heavily on our relationship with the Navy. When we can't utilize the Navy and commercial air transportation isn't available, we depend heavily on our Air Force for that support. So in the background somewhere, there's a 640 Alpha ensuring that subsistence is being inspected prior to shipment, or there's a 640 Alpha verifying the combat contingency plans of the vendor's contract, or there's a 640 Alpha performing that food water risk assessment to support the sustainability of operations in our stair locations. What happens if we end up in a comms denied situation and services are unable to place subsistence orders over the nipper net? Well, we have ways of maintaining that push of subsistence in that type of environment. So the 640 alphas are very much involved with that. You know, we're not on the forefront of the fight, but there's a 640 alpha somewhere very much involved with helping the joint force have that freedom of maneuver to achieve their operational and strategic objectives. What have you learned or what would you like to share with the audience about your understanding of your work's importance as part of the Army's mission? I have learned so much as a food safety officer and, and how we fit not just with the Army, but with all of DLD and more so now in this position as DLA than any other position I've served. DLA has given me a much broader perspective on the complexities of how subsistence moves around the world and how we support our warfighters. When people ship their family members off to join the military, I'm sure a lot of them are thinking about, are their family members going to be safe from the war, being shot at, IEDs? And what we don't want them worrying about is what they're going to eat. We don't want them worrying about, are they safe from the food? That's the last thing that really should be on their, their mind. And we have food inspection specialists, we have preventive medicine specialists, and then we have the 640 Alphas who are managing all of that for them. When I was an instructor, I would tell the soldiers that I taught, the warfighter can't fight if they can't eat. Some jobs may touch few people. We're touching everyone. We touch every single warfighter out there by the job that we do. And don't take it lightly. Remember to continue to train and continue to tell people who you are and what you do. What would you say to those young ladies and gentlemen who are going to cross the line and pin and be fresh sworn officers? What would you say to them about, uh, what, what advice would you give them? 
My advice would be that relationships are important. Everyone should know who you are and what you do and how you can support the fight. You need to get well acquainted with your hospital commanders. We tend to be forgotten about because we are one soldier deep, but get acquainted with your hospital commanders. Insert yourselves into their meetings. They may not know who you are, but insert yourself so that you can just let them know how you can support them. And then ensure you know who your local exercise planners are, who your operations and, and logisticians are, and better yet, make sure they know who you are. No matter where you're stationed, be connected to those people because subsistence usually is the last thing that planners think about. You know, we got to get the forces there. We got to get the ammo there. We need fuel. You know, we need the transportation. Oh my goodness, we have to feed them. So make sure it's on the forefront of their thought process and on the forefront of planning so that we're not trying to play catch up. And then I would say, stay connected with the Defense Health Agency, even if you're not within that realm of work, but they need to know what you're doing out there. They need to know all the great things that's going on in your AO, that you can keep up with the current news and that they can keep up with you. Don't keep your head buried in the sand, is, is what I say. Your mission may seem small, but everything you do on a day-to-day -day basis directly affects the warfighter on a much larger scale. And then lastly, I would say persuasive communication in our field can be a matter of a successful combat mission with no disease, non-battle injuries, or an entire battalion coming down with the two bucket blues. Get good at being persuasive. Thank you so much for your time and sharing how the work of warrant officers in the Veterinary Corps contributes to meeting the doctrinal requirements for warfighting for uh, medical and the veterinarians. Thank you so much and have a great day. On behalf of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the warrant officer to that fight. Please visit warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation in programs like this. Special thanks to our theme music composer, Josh DiStefano. Visit joshdiStefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.